Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, honestly, just excited to be able to come and freely worship God. Um, I am excited about that. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, um, you can start turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And as you flip there, um, I figured I'd tell you my name is Dustin. I get to serve as the pastor here now. And um, I'm just excited to be here again. Um, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but um, we're walking through a reading plan as a church through the New Testament in the year. Um, and so if you have uh, your smartphone with you, you can actually download Connection Church official app. Um, and when you download that, it has a Bible app on there and you can click on it and it'll give you that day's reading. And so we'll actually be reading everything um, as a church together. It's really cool. And so we're actually picking passages through that that we're preaching out of. And so um, that's where we are. We'll be in Second Corinthians chapter 9, um, starting in verse 6. And so uh, I will read that in just a few minutes. Um, and let me just go ahead and say this before I even uh, read. Um, I, I'm going to be talking about money this morning. Um, and so I know that when I, you hear that in a church, your reactions probably are going to be uh, different than everybody's reactions going to be different in here to that. And so uh, um, this has been planned for a while, and I think the Bible speaks to it. So as a church, we um, in return can't skip over it. Um, I say that about our lives all the time. We can't let uh, the Lord work on our lives in certain areas and ignore certain areas. And so um, I think this is the same way with the Bible and what we teach. And so um, I'll be talking about that. But I want to say this before I even read it is um, I would conclude from the Bible that uh, God doesn't need our money. Okay, so um, we don't ever earn God's love by giving and God doesn't need um, our money. I think that if we uh, see in this passage that God wants us to be generous because uh, we can be um, able to be a part of the kingdom moving forward when we give to uh, anything that moves the kingdom forward, whether that be a local church or something else. And so um, that's my heart behind it. Um, please don't hear me saying this is, uh, this is a plea for your money. That's not what it is. Um, uh, I would rather you love God um, than not give than give and not love God. I think that leads to um, not things that God would want us to do. And so that's our heart. Uh, we teach on it because we um, it's in the Bible. And so that's where we are. And so um, if you would pray with me, um, actually, let's read uh, the passage first, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 6 and we'll read through verse 11 um, and then we'll pray. Uh, it says this, remember Paul is writing this to the, the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, just a city. It says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I think that's a, uh, an idea that that's a pretty simple concept. I think most of you understand. Um, what you uh, sow into, you will reap out of what you sow. Um, verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Those are, that's a, a great sentence. So God doesn't want us to give... Uh, with um, hearts that aren't sure about it. He wants us to give not reluctantly, meaning not, um, not in a way that we are nervous about it. But he also says, um, don't do it under compulsion, meaning don't just say, I want to give this amount today. He says, be thoughtful about it. Think about where your money's going. Think about um, how it's going to be used wherever you give it. And so I think God just wants us to be wise and really think about um, what we're doing. Uh, it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, I think that's a... a, a, a Great point there. Um, verse 8, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
I think what he's saying there is for us to be able to fully enjoy God, for us to be able to fully um, be in his presence, for us to fully um, walk with God, um, to, to be able to uh, be with him and, and to, for God to bless us abundantly, we have to give him things so that he can bless us abundantly in those. Meaning, um, if uh, I get come up here and every week I'm fired up about making disciples and y'all, we need to be on, on living on the mission to make disciples of all nations. I think that's um, us to be fired up about because I honestly think that's as believers, that's where our joy is going to come is that when we see people meet Christ, right? And so um, not only do we want to make disciples, but there's other things that God has called us to as Christians. And when we um, ignore those things, we don't fully get to grasp what God has for us here on earth. And I think that speaks to the same as money for us to be able to um, abundantly enjoy God and who he is, then we have to have a heart like his, and his heart was to give abundantly in which he did uh, with Jesus on the cross. And so that's why we say sometimes here is we can never outgive uh, God because God gave us Jesus, which was an eternal uh, uh, present from him for something that we could never earn ourselves. And so I think for us to compare anything we do to that, we realize that nothing we could ever give could earn God's love or be compared to what God has done for us. And so we just continually grow in the area of generosity so that just like in everything else, we are continuing to grow as a believer in Christ. And so um, I think that's what speaking into, it says in verse nine, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. He's quoting some Old Testament scripture about giving. Verse 10, he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So he's saying um, there's going to be something that gives you to give, right? So he kind of hits on the idea that um, our money isn't really ours in the first place, that God is the one who's given us grace and love to have the gifts and abilities to um, earn the money that we have. And we think we earn it, but really, if we didn't give ourselves the gifts to earn it, then it's not really ours to uh to, to use. And so that's why we call it stewardship, right? That's why you hear the things, the, the term stewardship. What that means is, is that you're dealing and uh, using resources that aren't yours. And so uh, we are stewarding our money. It's not ours. We are stewarding God's money um, that he's given us to steward, if that makes sense. And so um, it's never ours to begin with. The way I always think about that, y'all, is um, like a, uh, a financial consultant or maybe even a banker. You go to them and their job is with your money to do what you tell them to do with it. So at the end of the day, that money's not theirs to do with as they please. Um, what they do is, is they take what you give them and they steward it how you would want them to steward it. And so it's the same way with God, except we're not the owners of the money. We're like the financial consultant or the banker. God has given it to us, and now we are called to steward that in the way that God would want us to do that. Um, and so that's uh, where we are with it. It says in verse 11, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's, uh, let's pray together um, and just kind of unpack this a little bit. God, uh, we just come to you now thankful for your grace and your mercy and, um, on our lives, Lord, and on this church. God, that without you, um, God, there, we, have, we have nothing. God, we are nothing. We can sustain nothing ourselves, God. And so we just come to you now um, asking that uh, you would be here with us, Lord, that this 
um, time would be honoring and glorifying to you, God, that, uh, God, I, I pray now that this wasn't, wouldn't be a manipulated message, God, that it wouldn't be um, something that's not clear from your word, God. Don't let me say anything that would be false, Lord, that you wouldn't want me to say, God. Um, remove me and just let me be um, a vessel and a steward of your word, Lord. Uh, God, so I just pray for that and pray that your spirit would be here and work on our hearts, God, in a way that um, would change us and grow us in who we are in Christ. So, God, we love you. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, got a quick question for y'all, and I want y'all to think through this with me. Um, how many of y'all have ever um, thought that some parents talk too much about their own kids? I mean, we don't have to lie, right? It's kind of, I mean, everybody does that to some extreme if you have them, right? Or, um, or maybe you see some people talking and you get tired of them, you know? You're like, man, are they ever going to stop? Well, um, I had a, an occasion come up like this when I was little, and it's kind of when I first noticed it, but um, it, it kind of gradually in my life, I've noticed it more, and I've been guilty of it myself. And so, um, but kind of like all the stories I tell y'all about my son, y'all probably get tired of it, you know? But um, I was thinking, and um, when I was little, I, uh, I, I remember going to a baseball game. So I tell you all the time, our lives revolved around sports all the time. That's all we thought about. I, literally every night of the week almost, we were going to the park to, to practice or play a sport. And so uh, when we were um, in, uh, I was probably, I don't know, probably seven or eight. And my older brother was probably 11 or 12. Um, we were playing at a park called Bogart, and we were playing baseball there. And um, when I didn't play, I obviously went to the games because my dad coached my brother. And I remember sitting there, and I, I would be in the dugout, and because um, my dad was a coach, and he let me kind of be the bat boy running back and forth. And there's a boy named Austin um, that was on the team, and I'm just going to be honest with you, Austin wasn't the greatest baseball player, okay? Like, he, he wasn't on base as much as the other kids. And so uh, I remember then uh, when, when they would talk about Austin, you know, it was kind of like, oh, man, Austin's up the bat, you know? And, and it would kind of, that was kind of what you thought when he was coming up. And so uh, we, we pushed push forward in the season. You know, Austin's not doing very well. Well, one time Austin gets up the bat, and he gets in there, and, you know, he was always the type of kid that, like, he had a lot of bat wiggle. You know, he looked like he was fired up to hit the ball but then he wouldn't hit it. Well, um, he, he finally gets up there one time and he just absolutely just smokes one right back up the middle, right past the pitcher's head and uh, one hops to center fielder and center fielder catches it and throws it in. And I'm like, man, that's awesome, you know? Well, you know, the fans and the players are kind of clapping like they do every base hit, you know? They're like, yeah, that's great, you know? Well, I look over and behind the backstop, I look and Austin's dad is like jumping on the fence, you know, grabbing it, shaking the fence, just like... You know, and I'm like, holy moly, this guy's excited. He got to hit, you know, and I finally put two and two together. This is Austin's dad. You know, I'm like, okay, that gives him a little more reason to be excited. And I start talking to my dad and I'm like, why is that guy so excited? And he's like, what's his dad? And I'm like, I understand that. But, you know, every dad doesn't do this all the time when their kid gets a hit. You know, maybe it's the game winning hit or something. And I'm, I'm sitting there playing this through my mind and I'm like, this just... You know, maybe he's just an excited dad. I don't know. And we don't get to see it much because Austin doesn't get hits very much. I don't know, you know. So I start thinking, well, later on, I start asking my dad questions. I'm like, well, what, what do you make, what made you, what do you think makes Austin's dad get so excited when he gets a hit? And he says, well, he probably uh, has poured a lot of money and time and effort into his son getting a hit, right? I mean, and so my dad starts talking to his dad after the game and come to find out Austin's dad had spent uh, hundreds of dollars on him getting hitting lessons, right? And he had spent time um, picking him up from school and taking him to hitting lessons before baseball practice. And then they would get home after baseball practice and they would go in the yard and they would hit more. And so his dad had 
poured tons of um, money and time and effort and resources into his son being able to get a hit in baseball, right? Now, what I will say is, and this is probably one of the misconceptions I want to address in the first uh, verse that comes from that, is that when we sow, right, when we pour into something, when Austin's dad poured into him monetarily, meaning with money, into his son to get a hit, his celebration didn't come when his son made it to the majors and it got him more money, right? So obviously Austin's dad reaped something from the situation that was different than what he put in. Y'all following me with this? So what I would conclude with this idea is that when we give to the church, or let me just say this too to go ahead and get this out there. If you're, you struggle with giving to the church because you've had a bad experience or you don't trust it or whatnot, um, when you give to anything that's kingdom-oriented to see the gospel go forward for, um, for God or you give to anything for God, um, when that happens, you, we, we understand and there's got to be an understanding that the, the benefit that we reap may not be directly related to what we gave. Does that make sense that when we give money to the church, when we celebrate as a church, we don't celebrate because it guarantees that when you give money to the church that God's gonna bless you with 10 times what you gave. And so you write a $200 check and this week God's gonna give you a $2,000 check in your mailbox. That's not what what you sow is what you reap means. What it means is that when you sow in your life, when you give to the church, what it means is that from then forward, you're gonna be able to take part in what comes from what you sowed, right? So you think about this with me is, I don't think that God would want us to be a church that doesn't give anything because then we don't have any reason to celebrate, right? And so I think through this and I'm like, man, whether it's money or time or prayer or uh, conversations, whatever it is, that gives us all the more reason to celebrate when we get to reap from something that happens in the church, namely the gospel going forward, meaning somebody growing in their relationship with God or somebody getting saved. And so um, I, I think that that is one of the things that I, I, I think about in my life is I always think, man, I may give and I don't know what I'm gonna reap back from giving, you know, and that's, that's hard sometimes. But then I have to ask myself, what I give, I, I want to be okay with an understanding of what I reap may be different. And so I think about this. It's like, okay, well, um, you think about missionaries that have given their life to uh, the call of going to be a missionary. And they go to another country and people support them. And for 30 years, they're just trying to learn the language to be able to share the gospel. And they never see a salvation. You know, and you're like, man, what has this person done for 30 years? There's not much there. And it's like, well, we have to understand that what you sowed may not reap right then, or it may not reap in the way that we want it to, but that there's gonna be something eternally that we get to benefit from. Namely, number one, it helps us grow individually, right? I think that it's clear that God wants us to be a cheerful giver and he wants us to be generous. And so um, that would be my first point is that, we sow generously so that we will reap generously, right? So we, we, we give our life and our money and our efforts generously so that we will reap generously. Now, hear me say this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If, if you struggle with giving to the church or this church or another church or 
um, an organization, you just, it's just a trust thing, I would ask you, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, give to something of the kingdom so that um, your heart can be challenged in becoming more generous, even if it's not the church. Seriously, because I think that I would be doing all of us a disfavor if I said, God doesn't want you to grow in your generosity. That's not right. So I would say, find something in your life that you're um, on board with, that you're comfortable with, that you trust and challenge you for yourself, not for the what you reap, but challenge you in yourself so that you can abundantly um, enjoy God giving to that. And I mean that. If it's not here, then that's okay, but I challenge you to become more generous and find something, um, something in your life or uh, something that you trust that you can give to so that your, your, your generosity can be challenged so that we can all continue to grow in being generous. Um, I think that's what it would mean. The, the second thing I see from this, and I've only got three, so um, is this, is we're called to be a cheerful, a cheerful giver. Um, I, I, I wrote down right here beside this is God wants it to be an overflow, not an obligation, right? God doesn't, it, guys, if we give out of obligation, if we do anything out of obligation, we're not enjoying it. And God wants us to see it as a privilege to see his mission go forward because we say this all the time, God saved us um, from the wrath that we deserve, but it didn't stop there. He then saved us for um, the, the glory of, of, of his spreading forever. And so we get the privilege of seeing the gospel go forward. And that's awesome. That's why when we uh, try to, when things happen in our church and we see salvations or we see this or that or we can celebrate something, we celebrate because I want everyone in here, myself included, to not give out of obligation, but out of an overflow. I want it to be um, something that we get excited about. And listen, not necessarily so that we can have nicer stuff here, not so that we can um, uh, just build just a monstrous church and have this awesome stuff, but so that we can enjoy God fully, number one, but number two, so that we can be movers in the mission going forward. God wants us to, to give out of an overflow, not an obligation. So I started asking myself, and I, I challenge you to ask yourself too this, write it down if you're taking notes or whatnot, but what do you spend money on now that you don't see as an obligation? So ask yourself, what are things in your life that you buy that you're okay with? Like you look forward to buying that. You know, I was thinking there's some meals that, man, I look forward to it. I don't care that I'm having to spend 10 bucks or whatever. I look forward to it. You know, like it's a privilege to buy this for myself. You know, um, one of the things I was thinking is um, when, uh, when uh, Rachel and I, you know, when we were uh, struggling to get uh, pregnant at first and then um, the first one came and we had, you know, you go through all this stuff and you uh, get ready for the kid to come and we had bought um, his first outfit and then about two weeks later, we end up having a miscarriage, you know? And so there's stuff like that and you're like, man, but I remember going back to that first time when I bought the first outfit for that child to come, it was an exciting time in our life, you know? We walked into Bell's Outlet and I'm like, man, this is fun, you know? The money we're about to spend is a privilege. It's something that God's given me so that I can give uh, to this kid or so that I, I mean, I was looking forward to it. My heart behind it was not, man, I have to go do this. My heart was, this is gonna be fun. You know, let's like join arms and hold hands walking down the aisle and enjoy this time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, let's make it something we're excited about. And I challenge us this morning, y'all, if, if you give out of 
obligation or out of a religious heart. I, I mean this, don't give. Because I think it's gonna cause us to become more religious and um, uh, have the wrong heart gradually that's gonna cause your heart to get into a place where it doesn't need to be. So don't do it if it's not an overflow, if it's an obligation. Um, on the flip side of that, I will say that I think when we look at the cross and we understand what it means to become mature in Christ, that generosity is something that comes. Statistics show that usually giving is the last thing that people do when they uh, become a Christian. And I think that's just in America. We love our money. We uh, enjoy having things. And so when people want to get into that area of our life, I know me included, I kind of cringe and I want to push back. And I think that's okay at first, you know, but gradually we have to be willing to check our hearts and ask, you know, what's my motive in this? Am I, uh, is this an overflow of what Christ has done in my life or is this what I feel like is a duty? Um, and that leads me to my next thing I wanna say under this point is we have to be careful there because I think there's sometimes, there's kind of a spectrum. Y'all think about this with me. There's kind of a spectrum. It's like some things you wake up and you do um, because it's disciplined, and sometimes you wake up and you do things out of devotion. So follow me. Sometimes you wake up and you want to read your Bible just because you love God and you love what he's done in your life, and you're like, why would I not want to spend time with God? And you wake up and you're just fired up, and it's pure devotion. But sometimes you get in hard places in your life, and you're like, man, what am I, what am I doing? I don't want to wake up and read my Bible, but out of discipline, out of uh, knowing that this is what's going to uh, turn your heart and get your heart back devoted to God, what you do is you are disciplining yourself in doing that. And so if you've done it before with an overflow heart and it's turned into an obligatory thing where you're doing it out of obligation, I would just ask you, spend time with God so that it can become um, something that's done out of devotion, not out of discipline. Because I want, I truly want y'all to enjoy seeing the kingdom of God move forward. And I think for that to happen, the Bible calls that we give up resources, not just money. Um, I think they're specifically talking about money in special instances, but not just money, but time, y'all. I think we can relate this to uh, what we do outside of church. Um, I was thinking this week, some of the uh, people's hearts that I've been able to see the most in my life and be clear on is um, when I go eat with somebody and they won't let me pay or um, you, you see a need right in front of you and those people hop on it and it's like, they don't have to. They're not asking questions. They're just like, man, I wanna help. I wanna give and it's just an overflow. It's just natural and it excites me. And that's what I want for all of us is I'd never want it to be an obligation. I want it truly to come from our heart, y'all, because at the end of the day, if it doesn't come from our heart, if you've always done it because you've just been trained to do it, then I think that can be something that can turn us sour to uh, religion or sour to our relationship with God or even sour to Jesus and sour to the Bible because what happens is if you do things like a Christian without the Holy Spirit, it causes us to get religious. It goes back to just like everything I talked about a few weeks ago. If, if y'all come for me or for a band or for um, another person, if, if any of those things happen, y'all, we're in a bad spot because it shows that there's a motive there that's not Christ. And that is the scariest place to be is for somehow us to be deceived and our brains be trained that we would do something out of... Um, Religion that causes us to appear to be somebody that we're not. And then eventually that comes out and it's like, it's just hard. And so my heart for y'all is 
just ask yourselves. I don't, I don't, I don't, that's why I don't want to like sit down and it's, it's even hard for me because I've been struggling with it all week. I've been praying like, God, where can I be more generous? And so that's why I ask personal questions is because I don't want anybody to look into your life and say, you're not doing X because of this, or you need to do X to equal Y. That's not what, it's not a formula. What we want is, or what I would desire is that you would just ask yourself, how can I become more generous? Or where in my life can generosity be more displayed? If it's given here, then great. If it's given somewhere else, that's great too. I'm telling you, but to give to the kingdom is for us to truly be able to grab onto what God wants for us. The third point is this, and it's the last one, and I want y'all to um, think about it. It says, we are enriched even when we give away, right? And so this idea sounds um, backwards, really, is that we become richer when we become poor, right? And the Bible speaks to this in Matthew. It's like Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. It's that whole idea. Y'all remember last week when I talked about the great exchange that um, Jesus ended up taking what we deserved. It's the same idea that we become poor so that others can become rich. And that's um, in every area of our life, that's serving. We give up our time. We give up what we would want to do so that somebody else can become rich in what they're doing, right? That's why we ask you to serve in our churches because not because, well, number one, because we think it helps you grow as a believer, but number two, because then you get to be a part of seeing the kingdom move forward. That's why we ask you to give. That's why we ask you to go to group. All those things are number one, so that you can grow in who you are in Christ, number one, but number two, so that you can be a part of believers that are pushing the gospel forward to change the community that's in front of us. And so I think about it, and I mean, I'm, I'm humbled when I think about what Jesus did for us. I mean, truly, y'all, to think that there was, there's a God that is all creating, all powerful, that um, is just and graceful and um, doesn't need us. He can stand on his own, that he would create us with the plan of uh, redeeming us through Christ and that Christ wouldn't be just some random person that was a normal person, but it would be a perfect person that deserves no punishment. The only person that didn't deserve punishment is the one that took it for us. And then that gospel starts churning in our heart and we're like, okay, I understand this now. Now what can I do? And you say, well, I wanna repent because I deserve what that person took for me and I wanna turn now to Christ. And so then you make a 180 and you turn to Christ and then you start saying, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? And then we start taking next steps in who we are. That's why we call it at our church. What's your next step? We say that a lot because we don't want us to ever think that we're gonna arrive, right? There's junk in my life that is not good, that I'm still growing in. There's junk in every one of our lives that we're not good, that we're still growing in. But, when we get to the point where we think we've arrived and we don't need to or arrived and we don't need to take another step is that's the scariest place to be. Now we need to be y'all we need to be as fired up about our next step in growing into who God wants us to be today as we are when we're 85 or as we are tomorrow or as we are a month from now. There should be this never-ending pattern of growth that um, looks different for everybody, but that we're all challenging our hearts every day to say, what's my next step? I was thinking about it, and I just wrote down some questions that I want to end with, and y'all can write these down because I think they're important, and I want y'all to uh, think through this the way I would want 
or I think that Paul would want you to, the first thing is this, is have you given your heart to God? Because if you haven't given your heart to God, this message is kind of pointless. I think that this would be me trying to get you to be religious and train your brain to do something that is not gonna be enjoyable. And so I ask you now to ask yourself, like down deep, have I given my heart to God, meaning everything that, okay, there may be areas that need to um, come to light that God wants to grow me in, but that have you given your heart and you just said, here I am, Lord, I want to be turned into who you want me to be. Have you done that? That's the first question, because if not, then I think the rest of it is not there. The second question is, have you given your finances to God? Would, would you want God to rule your finances? My third question was, if God rules your finances, what changes will he want you to make? I think that's a simple question, right? And this is not for me to like condemn or shortcut or my heartedness is just ask yourself. And that's why I think this is the best thing I can do is just ask the question and apply it to your life as you see need. And then the fourth question is this, are we becoming more generous tomorrow or will we, will we, will we become more generous tomorrow than we are today? Because I think in the same way that we never arrive in Christ, the same way that we um, are always growing in Christ, I use the example all the time, um, that like, like, uh, like Nick Saban, you know, he says embrace the grind, embrace that you're gonna work hard regardless of your outcome. Embrace the, the grind that you're never gonna arrive to be Christ, where none of us are never gonna get to a place where we say we're perfect, we don't need to grow anymore. So go ahead and just prepare yourself, prepare your heart to be forever changing and forever growing in Christ. Um, that means that conviction would be a good thing because your goal is to become more like Christ. And to get there, it's gonna take conviction and then turning from that and letting God change us and mold us into who God wants us to be. And so it's fair to ask the question, um, will we be more generous tomorrow than we are today? And speaking of our Time and our money, the main two things. And so I just challenge you to ask yourself that, not out of um, condemnation, not out of anything, um, but love for you. And, and what the Bible says is, where would it be? And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray for us and um, we will be dismissed. So if you would pray, pray with me, God. Uh, thank you just for who you are, God, and uh, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our life, Lord, and God, I pray that, um, God, that you would just be here with us, Lord, that you would, um, your spirit would be here and that it would uh, convict our hearts in places it needs to be convicted, God. I pray that we'd have courage to repent and turn in places that you want us to repent and turn. God, I pray that generosity would be something that excites us. God, whether it be um, for this church or for somewhere else, God, but just don't let us look past it. God, God, bring out areas in our life that we can be refined in. God, make our hearts pure. Lord, make, our, make, make us people that we can say our heart was after you. 
God, I'm just so thankful for what you did on the cross and saving me in the midst of my sin, God, and, and what you're doing in my life in the midst of my sin. God, and I pray that I would be forever growing. God, I pray that for every person here, Lord, that we wouldn't be satisfied with who we are now, Lord, that, that you never want us to quit growing. You never want us to um, quit being excited about what you've done for us and what you have in store for us. God, so just uh, speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Make it clear what our next step would be. God, challenge us in a, in a healthy way that would be edifying for every person in here, Lord. Uh, God, I just love you so much, and thank you for what you did on the cross. Um, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys, and we will see you next week. Thank you.